This morning our text is from the Gospel according to Mark, 14th chapter, starting at verse 12 and reading through verse 25. I invite you to assume a posture for the reading of the Gospel. You may stand, you may open your Bible, you may sit quietly and close your eyes as we hear these words from the Gospel according to Mark. On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, Where is my guest room that I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. So the disciples set out and went to the city and found everything as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, he came with the twelve. And when they had taken their places and were eating, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be distressed and to say to him, one after the other, Surely not I. He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the bowl with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to the one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. And while they were eating, he took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it. And he gave it to them, and he said, Take, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and all of them drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I tell you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. The Lord always blesses the hearing and reading and proclamation that Christ is Lord. Would you pray with me? As the scriptures have been read and now your word is proclaimed, let us hear with joy what you would say to us today, our rock and our redeemer, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. The last 24 hours of the life of Jesus becomes our focus this Lent. Using the details primarily from the gospel according to Mark, we're focusing these Sundays in Lent on just these two very short chapters, chapters 14 and 15. And it really deals with the passion of Christ. That is the, the downward spiral of the life of Jesus in his last 24 hours from his betrayal, his arrest, his trial, his torture and suffering and his crucifixion in only these two chapters. It's a story we already know. It has an ending, 
that we already know as well. And yet it is always worthy of our telling and retelling and remembering because there may yet be parts of the gospel that we have never heard, something we've never noticed before, or something we weren't quite ready to confront, or rather to be confronted by it in the scriptures. We think back to this past Wednesday night, Josh led us off on Ash Wednesday, telling us the story of an unnamed and unknown woman who crashed a dinner party in the home of Simon the leper. And it was there in the midst of this meal that a woman enters and breaks open a flask full of expensive perfume and she anoints Jesus. Much to the rebuke by those who were assembled as to the extravagant waste that this, this flask could have been sold and the money given to the poor. But Jesus sees her act of generosity and he lauds her for her passion, for her praise, for her worship, for her preparation for burial. And so he lifts up her behavior that it would be remembered for all time. The Gospel of Mark is a mark that doesn't ever give us time for space. It's a, a gospel that is always on the move. The word immediately is used in the gospel over 40 times. And so immediately we move from the home of Simon to the preparation for the Passover meal. So says in our text, Jesus desires to have this meal and so he sends two disciples ahead to make preparations. And we're told that they will find and locate a man who is carrying water. That's highly unusual in the day of Jesus. Men did not carry jars of water. Rather, that was the work of women. But it's a code. This is a stealthy dealing. It allows the disciples to take note and notice, to observe a man carrying water, and so there's no exchange of words. There's no talking. There's only following. When your disciples see my man carrying the jar of water, have them follow him, and they will be led to the one. No words, no talk, no quandary over mixed signals, and once they arrive, they only need request, where is the room, the owner says, and I will have things prepared. This is a man of means. He is a man who has much to lose, much to risk, much to sacrifice. When was the last time you and I risked much for the gospel? Or there was a price to pay? When was the last time we really sacrificed something for allowing Christ into our space, into our home, into our lives? Who will prepare and give me room today? Jesus asks even us. As Jesus hosts the Seder meal surrounded by his disciples and even as they relive and retell the story of Exodus, that after 400 years of bondage in Egypt, Moses went to Pharaoh saying, let my people go free. And he was a hard man to convince because he was 
hard-headed and hard-hearted. Only after the tenth plague, that of the angel of death going through the land and striking down the firstborn male in each household, but saving those among the Hebrews who took the, Passover, the blood of the Passover lamb and marked it on the door posts of their home. On those homes, death would pass over and death would not strike the Hebrew homes. This meal retells a salvific event in story and ritual and in food, but there are layers of story even in this story as relived that night in that upper room with his disciples. Already Jesus has been betrayed by one of his disciples. Later, he will be denied by Peter just hours later. But it's Judas who still has agency. He doesn't have to play the hand that he's holding. He has agency. He has the freedom to recant, to confess, and to refuse to go through with this betrayal. I wonder if this whole story is not just a story about those who lived so long ago and a story now being retold through the scriptures. I wonder if it's not also your story and my story. How we reflect and regard and respond to the same choices and decisions that we make day in and day out. Ways we interact with family and friends and strangers for good or for evil, for betterment or for worse, for our own selfish ends or for the well-being of all. And while at table, Jesus takes what has been sign and symbol of God's act to liberate the entire Hebrew people in Seder, and then he transforms this Seder service into a new celebration of Eucharist. The celebration of his birth, life, death, and resurrection. The Seder is turned into the sacred event of his sacrifice for the sin of the whole world. Take, eat in remembrance of me. Take and drink in celebration of me. The oldest recording of this Seder service of this Eucharist is not found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or even the Gospel of John. It's found rather in Paul's letters. Paul's letters that are the oldest part of the New Testament that we have. And Paul says this, On the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took, blessed, broke, and gave the bread. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup and blessed it and gave the cup to all. To all. It's not only Judas who betrayed or Peter who in a few short hours will betray him. All of his disciples were told in the scriptures, scriptures will desert him, abandon him, and flee for their lives as he was giving his very life for them. And yet Jesus in that upper room we're told in the Gospel of John, washed 12 pairs of feet. Jesus in that upper room, the Gospels tells us, 
feeds all 12. He offers this meal to all. That's true love. That's authentic love. That's divine love made real for you and for me. We are loved when we're at our best. When we have something to prove and we've been approved. But equally, love is ours when we have failed to rise to the occasion. When we've not been our best. When we have not loved God and our neighbor as our prayer of confession so often states. When we cave to the pressure, Jesus doesn't give up on us. When we deny Jesus, Jesus doesn't write us off. And when we desert Jesus, he does not reciprocate. Jesus shares the Seder with his disciples, allowing the meal itself to take on even deeper dimension and significance and meaning than it ever thought possible because this is more than the story of salvation. This is, this is an act of love woven into the fabric of their lives now. Not only are they free from bondage and slavery as slaves in Egypt and are now free, they are now free in the Eucharist in this thanksgiving from sin and death and trying to observe a whole set of laws in the passion, death, and resurrection celebrated in the sacrament of communion. We're invited into the story of Jesus, just as his disciples, to name and claim our part and our role in the sacred. When and how have you and I been sent word to have Jesus abide in our homes? When and how have you and I had the opportunity to break a cycle of suffering and evil by not just going along with the way things are or not just giving up or giving in? When have you and I realized that Christ is present in his love and grace and forgiveness and that it's not by our doing or by our achieving anything, but rather it is God's unconditional love for us. It's God's inclusive love for all. It is God's desire to enfold us in the community of the beloved. I'm reminded this past week of the depth of your love for Christ and your neighbor. Many of you have responded to the overwhelming and catastrophic events of this past week and this cold wave. Your response by incredibly giving over $25,000, wow, to feed and to care and to shelter those who are most in need and who are most vulnerable. How Josh and others opened Owenwood campus as a warming station. The many calls that you made to members and seniors in our church family to check on them. And the many of the stories that I hear again and again and again, how you opened your home to neighbors, family, or friends who were without power or water or both. And your home became a haven of blessing and a place of peace for them.
for a night or two or even three. Moving forward from today, how might you and I in flesh, that is, to incarnate the living Christ, through this act of communion with Christ in our lives and homes this Lent, while we're apart because of this COVID crisis, we're not able to gather in beautiful sanctuary and to celebrate and to take the sacrament of Holy Communion together, but how might you and I live in communion still with each other, but especially with Christ. So I invite you at each meal, if you like, into this holy practice. Pull up an extra chair. If you eat alone, have an extra chair next to you. If you eat as family, pull up an extra chair. A place for Christ to sit with you and among you. And while Christ is among you, include one thought or one thanksgiving about his presence in your midst that day. Include or think about one thing that you might plan to do for a neighbor or a stranger that day. Or write that note or make that call. Or some way that Christ might rise up within you. That through you and me for his glory that Christ may feast in us. Through our hearts, our lives, our minds, our souls, our bodies. All Lent long until the very dawn of Easter. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen.